Hey everyone. Happy, happy Friday. It's Friday. It's the weekend. Here we are again. You guys, I don't know. I feel like we get to Friday and then I'm unsure where the rest of the week went. Does that happen for you? It happens to me all the time. I get to, I get to this moment right here where I'm live and I'm going, how is it Friday? It's wild. Hi, Pepper. Thanks for joining us. If you are on, please say hello because I love to know who it is that I'm talking to. And, um, you know, feel free to, to interact because that's fun too. Hi, honey. Oh, I miss you. I feel like on rainy days that you should just be home. <laughs> There's a little bit of flirting going on. It's fine. Deal with it. Anyway. Um, oh, hi, Jody. I'm so delighted to be here with you also. Oh my goodness. Oh, and Lisa from Connecticut. The other day, Lisa was from Ohio and today Lisa is from Connecticut. All right. That's just how you have to say Connecticut. I don't know. Um, you guys, I want to talk about, I want to talk about laughter because it's important and, and silly and it's occurred to me that God laughs for very specific reasons. And so I think the best starting place would be to go to Psalms 2. And in Psalms 2, we, we find out that God laughs. So let's, let's just start at the beginning. We're in Psalm 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. Okie dokie. Um, how dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king saying, let's come together and break away from the creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. Interesting. Have you ever actually read this? Like, I mean, when I'm saying read it, like sat at it, let's come together and break away from the creator once and for all. Let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. Whoa, that's intense. Verse four, God enthroned merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words. I myself have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Okay. So I love it that God's response to this uprising is laughter. And it's occurred to me as of Wednesday night <laughs> that, that there is so much more going on uh, behind joy. Oops, there, I need to create room. Behind joy, then um, somebody text my kid and tell him to be quiet. I've told him three times now. Can you hear him? He's in the background. And I've told him three times, be quiet. Oh, and, and there's my husband saying, um, there's something going on in the background that's coming over. <laughs> oh, somebody quick text him. 
Dylan, in case you're wondering. Um, anyway, it, it, I, I was, I was in, in a space of worship on Wednesday night and, and God comes to me and he's like, I'm going to fill your mouth with laughter. And I was like, I don't want to laugh. Have you ever been like that where you're in a space that feels painful and then like God moves in at you in the opposite spirit and you're like, I don't want to laugh. That's where I was at. I was in, um, he got the memo. (laughs) You guys, this is so entertaining. And I was just telling, I was just telling Rebecca yesterday that um, we get to make mistakes here at Unedited Life because it's in our title. (laughs) And she goes, it was very wise. (laughs) Anyway, clearly I'm distracted. Um, But anyway, so God, God was wanting to fill my mouth with laughter and I was not wanting to laugh. And, um, and, and, you know, he's got all kinds of antics that he will pull out and use against you to get you to agree with him. And that's precisely what was happening on Wednesday night. And then he began to show me once I relented, he began to show me that, that laughter is actually a weapon that he uses. It's not something that, that he uses carelessly. It's not something he uses frivolously. It's something that he uses pointedly, that it it is actually something that he wields as a weapon against his enemy. And what he showed me is that that there was literally a, an enemy on my back. It was like, you know, carrying around a backpack. And, um, and this enemy was on my back and weighing me down and beating me up. And, and he said, Angie, laughter breaks the backs of enemies. And so then I was like, dear God, what am I doing? Like, I'm just going to laugh. And, you know, it just, it started off as a simple little giggle because God is funny. And, and then, um, and then it just, you know, erupted and I had to make an announcement like, okay, here's the deal. There's laughter and we need to give way to, to laughter. So anyway, I started to like really research, like, what does this actually, this God who laughs, what's his intention behind this? And clearly we have right here in Psalm two, that in an uprising where, um, where an enemy is attempting to, to break off and move away from God and his intentions, he laughs, he laughs. So when you have when you have everything coming against you, we we have to learn to quickly tap in and and lay hold of joy. Now, I have been in times of deep ridiculous joy, but that really played more in an in, in, in intoxicating measure um or even um anesthesia if you will where god was doing deep work and um and was really just wanting me um completely outside of myself this is not the same so I'm not saying that can't happen i'm just saying that what i'm talking about is not the same it's it's utilizing laughter in times of warfare if you will and and i'm not trying to like make much of of enemies and, and tactics, but um, it would be we would be amiss to not acknowledge the fact that we've got stuff coming against us, and and that laughter is actually 
a valid weapon. So let's let's hop over to, um, I just want to read a bunch of different spaces because I think that it's really important. Okay, let's hop over to um, Genesis 21. And, and I think that the story is probably pretty familiar for us, but just in case, I'll tell you that um, Abraham and Sarah were promised a, a they were promised many descendants right and um but they were banking on on one and and we also know that during this time of waiting that um Sarah gave Abraham to concubines and Abraham had many sons and um and one of them was with their um uh what was she was she a anyway probably a maidservant to Sarah and um had Ishmael, which was, you know, a legitimate son of Abraham. He fathered this, this son and loved him. And um, so anyway, when Sarah found out that she was going to have a baby, she's already pushing a hundred. And it's so funny because we pulled up to Pepper's house on Wednesday night and, and part of our, um, our gathering on Wednesday nights um, includes Virginia. Virginia, if you're on, hello, I have to tell the story though, because it's hilarious. We pulled up and out of nowhere, Vince goes, wouldn't it be weird if Virginia had a baby right now? And it was like so far out there that I was like, what on earth are you talking about? And then he's like, you know, like Sarah and Virginia is 92. I believe Pepper, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and so immediately I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, it was like the most ridiculous thought of, of Virginia having, I mean, I think it's the most ridiculous thought for me to have a baby and I'm only 46. We're talking about a 92 year old having a baby. And then you push it even further with Sarah and she's a hundred years old. And God is telling her that she's going to have a baby. I think any of us women on here would laugh. Right. And, and, but this time when I read the story, um, and, and this is what it says in verse seven, so 21, seven, and she added, Oh, wait, no, let's back up. Um, verse five. Oh, shoot. Let's just read the whole thing. It's just good. 21, Yahweh visited Sarah just as he said he would and fulfilled his promise to her. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the exact time God had promised them. Abraham named his son Isaac, the miracle son whom Sarah, who Sarah bore him. When Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And so I think that that's just so funny. And she actually laughed out loud when she overheard a conversation about her having a child in her old age. Now, here's my point is that we look at this as, as like, you know, it's, it's just happenstance that Sarah, Sarah's just, you know, natural response to the idea of having a baby in her old age was laughter. And, and, and we can all get on board with that because I think that's a legit response. But God was just asking me, he's like, is it possible that something else altogether was taking place? Because Sarah was dealing with infertility issues. She was incapable of bearing a child. I mean, know that it's Sarah because Abraham had children, right? And, and so God was like, Angie, and I love when God 
does this because I know he has the answers, but he's like, what if, what if the laughter is what broke the back of the enemy that was on Sarah's infertility? Right. Wow. That, I mean, it was just a, a, it was a crazy proposal that, that God's throwing out. What if, what if, what if that laughter that came over her instantly at the thought of having a baby in her old age is what broke that curse of infertility that she had been dealing with? And we're talking about women in, in this day. And I realize even today that this is a, a, a real source of pain, but this was their only existence was to bear children. That's what, that's what they did. It wasn't like, you know, they, they had corporations that they could run or, you know, there just wasn't, there wasn't a whole job fair for women. You know what I'm saying? So this was their reason for existing was to have children. And, and so it would have been, it would have been a, a point of shame for her not to be able to offer her husband, Abraham, a child. And so not only was there infertility issues, but there was also shame. And I think that she was delivered from both in this moment of laughing at her enemy. Now, it doesn't tell us that in the Bible. This is just a conversation between Angie and her God, but I like it. I like it. And it shows us how powerful laughter actually is. I mean, if God laughs at his enemies, we should be doing the same thing, you know? And 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 here's my thoughts. I have thoughts. We know that Isaac, the son of Abraham and Sarah, actually means laughter. And we also know that he is somewhat of a, a foreshadowing of, of Christ, right? And, and we also know that Psalm 2 is actually talking about Jesus, that God laughs at his enemies, and he's also going to pour out his response, right? He's going to pour out his response, who is a king over his holy mountain. So here's my thoughts. What if Jesus became God's manifested laughing response. I know. It's just a fun consideration that, that Jesus would become God's manifested laughter on the earth because we know full well that what he did, what he accomplished, he came and he conquered. Okay, well, we can look at other spots of scripture. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke 1. And this is the story about Mary becoming pregnant with the Savior, right? And this is such a fascinating story. And I'm not going to read it all. You can go and do that yourself. But we know that the, the power of God came over her and she was pregnant with Jesus. God. It's wild. It's a wild story. And I love in there that Gabriel actually says to her, Mary, do not yield to fear right now. This is a huge part of, of this whole story because, you know, she's like, how on earth, you know, she's trying to reason within herself. Like, how is this, how does this work? Like, 
I'm a virgin, Gabriel. And he just simply says to her, Mary, don't yield to fear. And, And what happens is she is overshadowed by the power and the glory of God. And he puts the seed of Messiah within her womb. And holy moly, it's just such a beautiful picture. But here's what happens. So then she goes, because he also tells her about, you know, her her cousin Elizabeth, who's also with child in her late age. And, and that's also a miracle, but this is what it says. And we're in Luke 1 39 afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived arriving at their home. Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth at the moment. She heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. And suddenly, suddenly Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she prophesied with power. I love this too. Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others, for your child is destined to bring God great delight. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside of me with ecstatic joy. Interesting, right? She is now carrying God's response to his enemy, right? Like she is carrying God's laughter. And the first encounter she has with another human being is that they are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and brought into an encounter with ecstatic joy. Oh my gosh. Great favor is upon you for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. That's interesting. Great favor is upon you. For you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. That's so amazing. (sighs) That's amazing. That line right there. That's amazing. We need to hang on to that. Okay. So then um, in verse 46, it says, and Mary sang this song. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked a mighty miracle in me and holy is his name. Mercy kisses all his godly lovers from one generation to the next mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride, powerful princes. He tears from their thrones and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Does this sound familiar? It's kind of the same thing that we read in, in, in Psalm two, right? What God does to his enemies, what his laughter does to his enemies. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Anne-Marie, I wonder too. I wonder what it would be like for our souls to burst with joy. Whew, yeah. Anyway, powerful princes he tears from their thrones and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger for him will always be filled, but the smug and self-satisfied he will send away empty because he can never forget to show mercy. He has helped his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promises to Abraham and to his descendant, his descendants forever. Come on. That's just good. I love it that she points back to the promise that was given to Abraham, right? That that laughter would manifest in Abraham and Sarah's life. And it did through the son Isaac. And we know that he is just a picture, a type, a shadow of Christ who would come as the promise of laughter to conquer God's enemies. Are you getting it? Does laughter feel a little bit more powerful now than it did um, 22 minutes ago? I hope so. Um, let's go. Oh, let's go to Nehemiah. You guys, I'm in a Nehemiah mood lately. It's fine. It's so good. There's just so much in here and, and it's helpful for me because we're in like this building season and I love to go back and find all of the, the different um, just, I, I love reading the Bible because of the clues that we can pick up on. Um, oh, I, I should probably look and see where we're going. We're going to Nehemiah eight. Um, and, and let me just, I don't want to read all of this, but let me tell you what, what was going on. They assembled the men and women and, um, Ezra, who was a priest and a scribe, read the law of Moses to the people and their response to hearing the law read over them was mourning. They immediately went into mourning and, um, and, and were so sad for how far off base they had gotten before the Lord, right? Like they turned their backs on him. Essentially, that's what happened. And they forgot who he was for them, who he wanted to be for them. And, um, and then in verse nine, he sends them off and, and this is what he tells them. Um, and Nehemiah, who was the governor and Ezra, the priest and scribe and the Levites who helped the people understand said to all the people, this day is holy unto Jehovah, your God, do not mourn or weep. This is interesting. He's acquainting holiness with joy here. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. He's saying, this day is holy. Hold on. This day is holy. And this is what he tells them next. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to him for whom nothing has been prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of Jehovah is your strength. Isn't that fun? They've seen how far, how far away from God they were and their natural response, their, their, um, their soulish response to this was weeping and mourning. And you and I would respond the same way. God, I'm sorry. 
I forgot. I forgot who you were for a minute, although they forgot for years, right? And and Nehemiah quickly brings correction to them and tells them, hold on, you guys. This day is holy, and on holy days, we feast. And we wrap ourselves up in joy. We strengthen ourselves in joy. So although you're feeling sad about the condition that you've been living in, you must wrap yourself up in the strength of joy. I think that that we downplay joy a whole lot. And I think that we look at, at joy as soft. I think that that we look at, at laughter as our response to something funny. And God has greater intentions with the gift of laughter that um, if we will lean in and and ask him to 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 wield our weapon of laughter um, for for his glory, that we'll see our laughter used in a completely different way. Isn't that fun? I just think that's so fun that we can find these d- different clues all throughout scripture of of something as simple as joy. Yes, no wonder the enemy wants to rob us of our joy. Yes. And and for me, I don't know what that looks like for for you guys, but for me that looks like being worn down. Like it's it's one strike after another of of wearing me down to the point where I am just like I'm tired, right? And laughter seems like the most ridiculous response. Ever. But when God commands laughter, we should yield to that and just laugh anyway, even if it seems nonsensical. And that's what it felt like for me on Wednesday night is just complete nonsense to to what it was that, that I was feeling. But what we know is true in, in, in Romans. <laughs> yes, I feel that. Yeah, Lisa. Yes, it does. It feels nonsensical. Um, in Romans 14, Paul lays out um, what the kingdom of God is and isn't. And, and you know, the, the people were coming at him with questions of, you know, should we eat and drink these things, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, the kingdom of heaven is not about eating or drinking. It is about righteousness, peace, and joy. So if the very substance of the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy, we really need to take a closer look at those three things, right? If if Paul is, is laying out that um, joy is the very essence of the kingdom of heaven, we might want to to know a, a little bit more about the, the power of, of joy and what it does on our behalf. Um, let's go to, I just, I think that it's just fun to read scripture and, and really just like build ourselves up in the, the power of scripture. Let's go to Psalm 59. I did have this marked, but it doesn't seem to be marked. Yes, it is. Look, it was marked. Um, uh, Psalm 59. Uh, we're going to start in verse six. Actually, let's 
I keep doing this, Vince. I'm sorry. Um, Psalm 59. We're just going to start at the beginning. My God, protect me. Keep me safe from all my enemies for they're coming to kill me. Put me in a high place out of their reach, a place so high that these assassins will never find me. Okay. Now, David was up against like literal physical um, enemies, like people that physically wanted to kill him. And what we know about our enemy that has been defeated, let's always keep that in mind, um, is that he's coming to kill, still steal and destroy. And um, I've been made very aware that there is a violent intent and, and with, with the spirits, the political and the religious spirits are truly out to wound. No, seriously, like that's, that's the intent when um, you run out of self-control and you're affected by uh, these spirits, you just kind of become a pawn and, and those spirits will wield you as a sword to kill, steal and destroy. And um, so that's how, that's how we're affected by, by enemy enemies that are defeated. I don't know. I can't figure it all out. Anyway, save me from these murdering men, these bloodthirsty killers. See how they set an ambush for my life. They're fierce men ready to launch their attack against me. Oh Lord, I'm innocent. Protect me. I've done nothing to deserve this yet. They are already plotting together to kill me. Arise Lord, see what they're scheming and come and meet with me. Awaken, O God of Israel, commander of angel armies, arise to punish these treacherous people who oppose you. Don't go soft on these hard case killers. Ah, love that. Verse six, after dark, they came to spy sneaking around the city, snarling, prowling like a pack of stray dogs in the night, boiling over with rage, shouting out their curses, convinced that they'll never get caught. But you, Lord, break out laughing at their plans, amused by their arrogance, scoffing at their sinful ways. My strength is found when I wait upon you. Watch over me, God, for you are my mountain fortress. You set me on high. Isn't that awesome? But you, Lord. So David, in this in this prayer or the song that he's singing, um, is uh, he's 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 honest, right? Like this 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 is all going on. This is how I'm feeling. David is like so good at expressing his feelings. So good at it. There, there's no way that we cannot find ourselves in one of his songs. Like he is so good at expressing his feelings. And he's so honest. Like, this is what I feel like right now. And, and, and so I love it that then he always, though, turns it around and he points back to remind himself of who God actually is. But you, <laughs> you, Lord, this is a man who knew what the laughter of God actually did. You, Lord, break out laughing at their plans, amused by their arrogance, scoffing at their sinful ways. And my strength is found in that. Verse 10, the God of passionate love will meet with me. My God will empower me to rise in triumph over my foes. Don't kill them. Stagger them with 
all with a vivid display of power and scatter them with your armies of angels. Oh, mighty God, our protector, use your awesome power to make them wanderers and vagabonds and then bring them down. What I really love about this so much is that he starts off, he points back to the laughter, the power that is held within the laughter of God and then lays out what he sees happening because of that, right? And he even changes his mind. He wants them killed before. And now he's like, mm, just cripple them. Right? I mean, gosh, They're, they are nothing but proud, cursing liars. They sin in every word they speak, boasting in their blasphemies. May your wrath be kindled to destroy them. Finish them off. Now he's changing his mind again. Make an end of them and their deeds until they are no more. Let them all know and learn that God is the ruler over Jacob, the God king over all the earth. I just, I, I love this. And then at the very end um, in verse 17, he says, oh, my strength, I sing with joy your praises. Oh, my stronghold, I sing with joy your praises. Oh, my savior, I sing with joy the lyrics of your faithful love for me. And with that, I'm done. I mean, I am done. I, this is wild. I, I, I'm kind of dumbfounded. <sighs> sing with joy, people. Yeah. So I'm just going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that the revelation of the laughter of our God would surround you, that you would hear his booming laughter over your life and that you would hear even the footsteps of your enemies scattering away from you, <laughs> that joy would come in and become our strength, that, that we would no longer be burdened by the enemy that we would quickly run to what we have access to. We have access to holy laughter that will break the backs of our enemies. You know, that's, that's what's ours. It's what's ours. So I don't care if you don't feel like it. Laugh anyway. Just laugh. All right. I love you guys. We'll talk soon.